What if I told you there's a hidden world out there? A growing corner down the back of the internet where people pay to watch other people playing video games. And what if I also told you that sometimes that money goes not to the gamers, but to charity? And I said, who wants to get on board? Who wants to like a four hour slot and we'll do a mad week long relay? And I think in a week we raised, I think it was like 10,000 pounds just for a charity called DePaul International, who are an anti-homelessness charity. Hi, I'm Will Bond, podcaster, gamer, and occasional Jedi. And I'm Shay Thompson, presenter and journalist. Welcome to episode four of Gaming for Good, brought to you by salesforce.org. If you've come with us this far, you'll have joined us in dipping our toes into the world of streaming, where streamers and their followers are making serious money for charity. Oh my god, my heart is racing! If you're new to streaming or to this podcast, all you need to know is that on platforms like Twitch, audiences are watching live while streamers play games, but also make models, trampoline, crochet, or just walk the dog. In fact, streams can be used for pretty much anything you can point a camera at. And streamers and their audiences can interact too. What's going on? <laughs> What's all we do anything from arts and crafts to just chatting. We've done some cooking streams. <laughs> got a t-shirt. Tweet. What streamers are is they're really good hosts. They're not really good game developers. Or perhaps, in a lot of cases, they're not particularly good gamers either. But what they are is incredibly entertaining. $55. We like totally went over our goal. So, whether you're brand new to this space or you've already dipped your toe in the water, this episode will pull back the curtain on the streamers themselves. Who are they? What motivates them to raise money for charity? How do charities and streamers find one another? How can charities engage streamers? And what tools can they give streamers to help them to fundraise more effectively? First though, Shay, give us a quick guided tour of the streaming population. So, like any other corner of the internet, the streaming world has its celebrities. Streamer Big Nasty explains. There's a top, like, 5% of streamers on Twitch, and there's only, like, 20 streamers in that top 5%. The first five hours of that was $100,000. It's like asking me if I could put you in touch with Brad Pitt. Tom Downey there from Tiltify. And beyond the Brads, there's a whole host of other celebrities, each bringing their own unique personality and style, like comedian Richard Herring. Whoops. Three mornings a week, he gets his phone and he walks through a field, stone clearing, and just picking up stones, and he just chats. It's been quite a year, quite a brilliant year for stone clearers. And if you want to just have a chat along with him while you're having your breakfast and watch him go for a walk, you can do. And it's really, really lovely. Oh, just clearing this stone. Trying to engage celebrity streamers, people like Jacksepticeye or Ninja, who make millions from their streams, is every bit as hard as trying to book celebrities for any other gig. Not impossible, but a bit of a long shot. So while the lore is a powerful one, and we do get the temptation, it's a bit like those coin drop games at the arcade. Yes, there's a big prize hovering at the back, but how many coins are you going to have to pump in before it pays off? If you were going to try and make money out of the marathon, you wouldn't just go to Paula Radcliffe and get her to do a fundraiser. The money is in all the other people who take part in it, and it's exactly the same for gaming and streaming. Alex Moffat there from the British Red Cross. As he's come to understand, away from the bright lights of the top tier celebrity streams, there's a whole community of smaller streamers. People like Beak Nasty. 
There's like 20,000 small streamers like me down in the cheap seats of Twitch. And if every one of those 20,000 small streamers raised £10 for charity, it's a lot of pennies. I have a viewer average of about 12 people. And over the past 12 months, I've raised $8,000 for one charity. It's not the number of people we've got, it's the kind of people you've got. Streamer Noz. She's also what you might call a small streamer, but her fundraising still packs a punch. We usually reach between $2,500 and $3,000 per event, which is incredible. Oh my god, this is Tiltify were doing an event called Cause My Cause and Luxy Games actually popped into my stream. <laughs> Which was wild because I follow her on Twitter, I lurk in her little streams and she donated $2,000. She basically just came in and went, enjoy, have fun, bye! And it was insane. I cried a lot. There was a lot of screaming. There was a lot of oh my godding. It was very surreal to have someone drop so much money for such an incredible charity. Just absolutely broke me. $2,000 donation! And at the end of the year, with my viewership of 10 to 14 people, we raised over $13,000 for those causes. $13,000 raised for charity this year. What? That's amazing. So I was totally, totally blown away. That was streamer Beak Nasty. Shay got to know him and Noz and what motivates their fundraising, and we'll hear about that later on. But first, let's hear from Alex Moffat, Product Development Manager at the British Red Cross, a charity providing humanitarian aid, including emergency medical care, around the world. Alex has charged on the charity's engagement with gamers and streamers, and along the way, he's discovered a lot about the opportunities and pitfalls of operating in this space, including which segment of the streaming population to target, and that involved immersing himself in this world. I did a tremendous amount of research. I went to like events. We actually ran what we call a sprint, which is a kind of innovation process. And the solution we came up with was this emergency stream team. In the event of one of these emergencies, we would mobilize or activate this team of streamers and gamers to go out and raise funds. Good afternoon. We have breaking news of a major explosion in the city of Beirut, Lebanon. Their first success was their campaign for the Beirut explosion in 2020. We managed to raise almost 60k in a week and a half or something. So it does have the potential to raise these phenomenal amounts of money quite quickly. But Alex's biggest learning curve, and the one we're keen to share with you, was his experience raising funds for the British Red Cross's Operation COVID. Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the US. Here's what we know. The interesting thing about the coronavirus was it, it was absolutely kind of an emergency, but it was one that developed slowly. Back in early March, I was actually on a ski holiday. Countries in Europe have confirmed cases. Most of it suddenly got a whole lot worse. So I started working on it when I was out there. 22, with at least 10 people killed by the virus. What I started focusing on, which I think is what a lot of charities try and focus on to begin with, is the influencer side of things. So what I was trying to do was get in contact with a load of influencer streamers someone with between 10 and probably 100,000 followers on Twitch. I tried to set up this kind of event. It was pretty successful. It raised, I think it was about 12K. It was also incredibly stressful <laughs> because 
trying to get everyone <laughs> to string on the same day with an actual like fixed deadline is a very stressful thing. Alex told me making contact with high profile streamers was no easy task. It was quite a laborious process of going through their Twitch profiles, getting that email from their Twitch, their Twitter, and then trying to develop some form of a genuine, authentic approach because they get inundated with requests from charities asking them to do stuff and they'll read straight through anything you put out that's not specific to them. Painstakingly, the team researched individual streamers' backgrounds and the causes they'd supported in the past in order to put forward a more personal, succinct ask to each of them. I think that was easier for coronavirus because everyone got it, but it's a thankless task. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go down that route again. It was the beginning of a change in strategy. I don't even bother to contact the influencers, if I'm being honest. I think the people who've taken part in our campaigns from the influencer side either needed a tremendous amount of internal resource, which we unfortunately don't cost, because I think if we were to do that, we would quickly realise that it was not the best use of our time. Instead, the team decided to put their focus on the small streamers, the folks, as Beak Nasty had it earlier, down in the cheap seats of streaming platforms like Twitch. We decided to launch a, a kind of marketing campaign to attract the mass streamers, I suppose. And the first time we did it, it kind of bombed to some extent. The marketing wasn't working and we just couldn't really figure out why. So we took a step back and we pretty much changed every part of it. We had a complete creative refresh. Hmm, creative refresh, you say? Let's put a pin in that for later. Where's my red string? And then when we relaunched, everything suddenly started working. And we were seeing those people signing up, people were raising loads of money. There was so much like positive messaging coming in about the campaign and it just exploded. Well, we were hoping to raise maybe like 20K or so and it ended up raising over 200. What I'm trying to say is it wasn't right the first or even the second or probably even the third time round. And it didn't just happen overnight. Identifying the kind of streamers you want to reach might take time, but once you've done that, how do you engage them in your work? Well, to do that, first you need to understand who they are and what motivates them. Shay, you did exactly that, didn't you? I sure did. And the answers were fascinating, to say the least. Hey, everyone. Oh, I'm sat too close to the camera. Look. That's Noz, who we heard earlier running a stream. I'm a bunny. I'm what people call a small streamer. So I have anywhere between like eight and 12 average viewers. How is everybody doing, Silverstorm? I'm tarting. Streaming just gives you this boost. I really do appreciate it. Before starting your stream, you sit there and I'm, I'm a nervous wreck. I'm shaking. I'm, I'm so anxious. But as soon as I hit that go live button, that's it. It's gone. I'm a completely different person. I'm this confident, helpful, I want to make a difference kind of person. Noz described herself to me as a variety streamer, and that means she can turn her hand to almost anything, from games to craft to chat. We're working on creating a safe space. I've struggled with mental health issues since I can remember, and my entire aim is to make it a place where people don't feel like they're judged. They can come in and they can go, I've had a really bad day, I need to be here to cheer myself up. I'm like, right, what can we do to help? 
Although Noz's audience is small, she manages to raise an extraordinary amount of money for charity. Okay, we have only just started. Hey, Noz, Over the past 12 months, I've raised $8,000 for one charity because my community want to support me in my endeavor. It's a close-knit, supportive community, and it's those community members that help raise the money. Of $110 in just eight minutes. The smaller audiences are... I would say much tighter knit than a lot of the bigger ones. Streamer, beak nasty. I go into a big stream and unless I'm known by the streamer, you still feel welcome, but you don't know everybody in there. Whereas with us smaller streamers, and it's something we're told to never call ourselves, but I'm actually quite proud of being a smaller streamer. We've got a very family feel in there. In 2019, Beak Nasty asked his streaming family to support him in his first fundraising drive. I didn't want to scare any of them off because when you've got that few people, you don't want to scare anybody off from the streams. And they all went, let's try it. So we went in and over last year, we did 12 months of charity for 12 different charities playing 12 different games. So I really, really enjoyed the journey and it's turned around what I want to do in real life and what I want to do with the streams. This year, Beak Nasty has asked his community to pick the charities they want to support. One follower picked out American charity, Dogs of Service. Um, talk about Dogs of Service. Dogs of Service are an American-based charity and they provide free service dogs to veterans, mainly suffering from PTSD, to help them through. And this one's close to us because we have our tattooed who has benefited a whole ton from having Junior the service dog. I didn't know much about him. He was a name on my screen that I missed when he wasn't there, but that was pretty much it. And I think it was in 2018, he got his service dog called Junior, and it's literally changed his life. I see him talking more openly with people. He's recently got married. It's literally changed his life. This kind of fundraising, like the small-scale streaming community it exists within, is all about these kinds of personal connections, and they're incredibly powerful. The kindness of strangers is unbelievable, and when they're emotionally invested in something, it, it was amazing last year, it genuinely was. Uh, <laughs> I, I was expecting to make £500 over the year, and I would have been happy with that, and they shot it out of the park. But that personal touch isn't always matched by charities at their end. There are so many charities that when you're at a convention, they just come up to you with a clipboard and like, can you sign this? Will you do this? You'll get this if you do this. There's just no light in their eyes about it. But when you go to a charity and the first thing out of their mouth isn't, can you sign this? It's, hey, have you heard about us? This is what we're doing. We're trying to make a difference. Can you help us? That to me is so much more for Noz, one organisation that does this brilliantly is American charity, the Humane Society. I actually accidentally got involved with with them, which was, it was crazy. We were in um, San Diego for TwitchCon in 2019. They had dogs there and instantly I was attracted to them because they had dogs. It was incredible. You know, the Humane Society, since they've been around since 1954, immensely good at helping animals and making a difference in the world, but... The streaming part, we had literally zero idea. The Humane Society's Mike Elliott. So we decided we're going to get our own booth right outside of Charity Plaza at TwitchCon. And we're just going to see what happens. 
and instructed all of my team that when we went into this, we just tell the streamers that, hey, we're really good at helping animals. We're not good at streaming. We really need your help. So we came at it from a place of humility, of, of kindness, and we just opened our arms and said, this, this is us. If this is something that you can get behind, we would love to have you. Something sparked in me while I was on that booth with Mike that I have yet to find the words to explain because the instant I walked away from that booth, I was like, right, I want to help these people. We are all about building that relationship. I want to treat these streamers like family. When you start to really get into the world and understand these streamers, most of the people are not the ones that you see that make the news where they've made $500,000 a month from their basements. Most of these streamers really work hard to just make ends meet. When they decide to stream for us, they're giving up their income. These are personal donations. Even if it may not be them giving us dollars, they're giving up their time. This is time when they could be raising money for themselves with their own donations. And we want them to know that we appreciate them for doing that. So a big piece of our program and our strategy is no matter the size of the streamer, if they raise their hands and say, yes, I want to raise money for the Humane Society, we are absolutely going to reach out, grab them and hold on and say, we've got you. You are now part of our family. You can have a million followers or five. We're going to treat you exactly the same way. And I think anyone who's streamed for us would tell you the same thing. Providing that personal touch takes resources. In the Humane Society, those responsibilities don't just sit within the team directly responsible for streaming. Pat Ormsby, a graphic designer on the brand and visuals team, volunteers his time to help Mike's team out. With your help, not just yours, but with all of your help and all of the streams. So Pat, for example, during our December dash, he would come onto streams. He would offer his time up to come onto people's streams and he would talk about the charity. With the goal in mind of working to end all forms of animal cruelty. Um, Which is... Amazing. I have yet to see another charity do that, but Humane Society do it a lot. So don't be scared to jump on someone's stream and talk about your charity because it will make a difference. Given that personal connections are so important then, how do you successfully reach out to streamers? Well, thinking back to what Alex from the British Red Cross told you, a lot of charities might also be thinking, let's do some advertising on social media or let's email a bunch of streamers. We ran this by Mike at the Humane Society, and unfortunately, it doesn't sound like those ideas will fly. You can't go buy a list. The folks that you're gonna be talking to are absolutely not email responsive. You can't call them on the phone. My gosh, that would be terrible. You can't send them something in the mail. That would be absolutely foreign and bizarre to them. So acquisition is tough, and it takes a lot of work to make the relationships. So how does it work then? Two words, TwitchCon, Alive or IRL, in real life meetup, where streamers connect in cities around the world. Over the last 12 months, these kind of events have moved online, with Twitch running its GlitchCon online event. But soon we'll be doing more in real life stuff, so be prepared to go and hang out. The closest thing I can think of is really peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, but you have to catch that first person to then have them spread themselves out into their network of communities to get more people involved. It takes a lot of effort, but it's worth it. It's not an immediate success. I mean, granted, you could have a giant streamer come through, drop 
hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars into a stream and you've made your budget for the year. But the reality is the work is going to be in these smaller to mid-level streamers building relationships with those folks. And talking to Mike, it does seem like the strategy has paid off. The return is there. We had a, a couple people in the very first one right after TwitchCon who had literally a handful of streamers, you know, 20, 30 streamers at most. And they've stayed with us this entire time. And a couple of these folks have gone from a handful to tens of thousands of people, almost 100,000 people that follow them. So the investment that we thought early on, we're going to treat everyone exactly the same, has paid off time and again. That's not to say that the Humane Society got it right the first time. In fact, hearing about some of their early stumbles reminded me of Alex's journey at the British Red Cross. I can tell you honestly, the very first TwitchCon, I got distracted by these big streamers. And the reality is we've had one or two very, very big streamers stream for us. And I wouldn't want these couple of folks back. We've had some really big streamers come through who just phone it in. They, they don't put any effort into fundraising. They just do their normal thing. They mention HSUS a couple of times and go on with their day. You look at someone like Nas, who is absolutely committed to the Humane Society and what we do. I want a million of her. I wouldn't trade her for anything. I mean, she hand makes, you know, items for people who donate. That's the kind of stuff that you're not going to get from these giant streamers that you think you want. So now the Humane Society is embedded in the streaming world, has it been worth all the effort? We've talked about over years, you know, how do you attract that next generation of supporter, next generation of donor? And finally, we've found it through streaming. The streaming audience tends to skew younger than a standard donor. This really is the next generation of donors and next generation of people we want to talk to raise HSUS into the consciousness of these folks. And now, listeners, we find ourselves at a turning point in our episode. Let's have a bit of music while we stick the kettle on, grab a biscuit, and kick off our pumps for the second half. So, what have we learned so far, Shay? Well, a key point seems to be that when it comes to fundraising through streaming, going after the 95% of streamers, the folks in the cheap seats of Twitch, beats chasing the elite 5%. Definitely. We've also learned about the importance of personal connections. Streamers have very personal motivations for streaming. The relationships they build with their followers are authentic, real and powerful. I've also learned that not all streamers are gamers. In fact, the subject of the stream isn't really important at all. It's the personality of the host that attracts followers. And according to Mike at the Humane Society, streamers are that holy grail of fundraising development, the next generation of donors. Personally, I'm sold on the theory, but how does it actually work in practice? Well, one platform that specialised in giving streamers the tools they need to support their fundraising is Tiltify. You might remember our interview with founder Michael Wasserman from episode 2. Basically, if Twitch is like YouTube for streamers, you could say that Tiltify is a bit like Just Giving or GoFundMe. It's a donation platform, but one that's customised for streamers. Here's Tom Downey again, 
to delve into the nitty gritty. So if we start at the very beginning, as Julie Andrews once sang, a Tills Five fundraising page, what it does is it offers more tools to a fundraiser outside of a donate button. Tools that people would have used in old school community fundraising. Take a local village fundraising for a new church roof. Morning, Vicar. Oh, morning. Lovely day. You've got your thermometer painted on the outside of the church door. You're going to have a fete every now and then. You might hold a, a bake sale and all these sort of things. And you're doing lots of different things to try and engage your community to donate. You're not just saying, money, please. And all we've done is we're using all of these old school techniques and we've put them online. So we've got milestones where we'll set a target of £1,000. And when I get to £500, I'm going to do a crazy dance. When we get to £5,000, the vicar is going to do his own personal rendition of the monkeys, I'm a believer. So there are these sort of incentives to push things over the edge. And then other things like polls and targets where we try to encourage creativity and engagement in other ways. Visually, these tools are presented as an overlay, to use the technical term, a bunch of graphics that you can add to your Twitch stream that will show you live chat from your supporters, as well as those crazy milestones, challenges, and extra incentives. Here's streamer Beak Nasty again. If it's £10, if it's £100, if it's like £15,000, a bar will pop up with zero to 15000 and as people donate, that bar starts ticking up. I'm well happy. And if you've got milestones on there that you have to perform when certain numbers are hit, they'll show as well. And if you've got incentives when somebody donates, it will show the person that's donating the incentives that you're offering for that amount of money. There'll be no hair dye poll for like the next two months because, yep, I've just got to let it come out. So with all of these things combined, that is how a Tiltify fundraising page works. How that benefits the charity is we can now start to look at how people are fundraising. You can start to analyse what rewards have people used, what were most successful. Did certain things increase the average donation amount? This is why tools like Tiltify go beyond a donation bucket, because the data collected on the behaviour of donors will be invaluable to future strategy. And Tom himself provides some of that essential glue that connects charities to individual streamers. That elusive personal touch. He wanted to know about what charities I wanted to support and if there was anything he could do to help. And there is mine and my son's personal charity because it's directly affected us both. My son was born with a heart condition, so he was in Bristol Intensive Care Unit for the first month of his life. And then at six months old, he had his first heart bypass. And we're constantly back and forth there. And that's the Grand Appeal in Bristol. But they weren't on Tiltify. And he said, brilliant, I know the people at the Grand Appeal, I'll go and have a chat. And he got them on Tiltify. And because he got them on Tiltify, they've had so many brilliant ideas for things to do. And another charity group, the Yogscast, were able to raise £200,000 for them. And that's because we got them on Tiltify this year. Not everyone on Tiltify has a personal relationship with Tom. Any charity can sign up and create a presence so streamers can discover them. You can go via their charity portal and check out all the charities that are there. You can go and check out all the campaigns that are there. It's brilliant for a whole lot of things. It's like a whole new social media network without any of the trolling. It's fantastic. Tiltify isn't the only platform in the online donation space, but what it offers is quite distinct because it doesn't just handle transactions. 
And in fact, if you use Tiltify, you still need to pay for a separate platform to handle that for you. But Tiltify allows charities to be transparent with costs because it takes its fee from the charity rather than taking a cut of the donations. And transparency is key for charities, streamers and donors. We're very clear in all of our streams you know, where the money is going. What we've seen more than ever, the people who are giving through the streams are very careful and they want to know where their money is going, which is great. We love the transparency of the donation. So, you know you want to engage streamers to raise money for your charity. How do you ease your entry into this brave new world? Talking to our guests on this episode, there was some consistent advice emerging that we've packaged up for you into a handy checklist. Number one, do commit organisational resources to entering the streaming world. For the British Red Cross, this looked like Alex, who is a member of their innovation team. He figured out how to enter the space, but now Alex is looking to hand this work over to a permanent member of staff. We've actually hired someone to take this work on, and that's the whole point of, of our team, is that we try and enter a market, and if it works, we start to embed it within the work that we do. Two, when you reach out to streamers, be authentic. Like Big Nasty and Noz both said, this space is all about interpersonal relationships. In the streaming world, whether or not you know someone's real name doesn't mean that the connection you share isn't a genuine one. Being authentic with this audience is not just a nice to have, it's a hygiene fact. So you, you need to have that, otherwise you just won't succeed. And just trying to understand the world and being authentic in that sense of wanting to understand them, but also in the way that you communicate with them by being honest, open, trying to be clear in what the money is going towards. I think everyone wants that, but this audience particularly wants that. Three, build your community. Try and create that kind of solid foundation of people who will stream for you and come up with some powerful propositions that connect streaming or a challenge around streaming with your work. It's going to make comms teams very uncomfortable, but when you target a new audience, the only way of attracting them really is by communicating on their terms, on their platforms. And you have to be willing to sacrifice some level of brand identity to some extent in order to meet what they expect a bit better. A charity that's done very nicely in the space is Cats Protection. They've got a Discord group of streamers, which is a sort of mega fancy version of WhatsApp. Basically, it's just people sharing pictures of cats. It's just a fun place, but they've now got a ready-made community. When they need to do the ask, the ask just happens. Four. Give streamers easy access to the tools they need to fundraise for you in a format that works for this space. For me, it's video packages. Having video packages of the work and how it's affected the people that you help as a charity is a huge plus point for me because if a video can make me cry, it's going to make my viewers cry. And if it makes my viewers cry, we've all got an emotional investment in that charity at that point. Streamer kits are so important. You can do like a Google Drive kind of thing. You can put talking point sheets, statistics and 
So Humane Society has like laws that they've passed and stuff, they put that in there. You can use impact videos, you can have gifts for when people donate, you can have sounds for when people donate. Get the important stuff that you want out there in one place because people will use it. You know, we, we provide, you know, the standard press kit. We provide the information about the HSUS. But when the streamer reads the information we give them and then turns it into their own words and talks about it to their audience, it's really quite a special thing. Five, once you've built your community of streamers willing to go the extra mile for your charity, nurture the relationship. There were three charities last year that I didn't get any point of contact with. One was an email bot that emailed me back and gave me a, a link to a Dropbox and they didn't say a word to me for the entire time I was streaming. I'm not in it for the thanks, but that human contact makes things so much easier. Care about your streamers, say thank you, appreciate the fact that they've given up their time of streaming to help you out. And I think that's something that's really overlooked when bigger charities have so many people streaming for them, they'll put out just an announcement go, oh yeah, thanks everybody. It's a lot of work, but thanking each person and be like, hey, you might have raised $30 for us and you had a goal of 4,000, but that doesn't matter. You still raised $30 and that is so great. You need to tell those people that what they're doing is great, even if they're deflated or they haven't hit what they wanted because those streamers will come back to you because they feel appreciated and that is so important. From the streamers who play and perform to the audiences that donate and engage to the charities that want to understand them both, there is a thread that ties them all together. Community and connection. Another common thread throughout this episode is the importance of direct human contact. But as you might have noticed, the current world situation is making that a little harder. If there's another lesson to be learned here, it's that connections can happen anywhere, over a screen and even when there are several seas between you. And that doesn't make them any less sincere. Of course, if you're new to this world, you might be hesitant to see the community in a group of people who talk behind avatars and emojis. But everyone that we have talked to in this episode has had something to say about the approachability of people in the streaming world. So why not knock on the door? You'd be pleasantly surprised at who will say hello. That just about wraps up episode four of Gaming for Good or as we should probably be calling it after having spoken to Noz, streaming for good. For more information about Gaming for Good and to hear from inspiring fundraising trailblazers, visit sfdc.co forward slash fundraising guide. This documentary has been brought to you by salesforce.org. It's a sounds fancy and fieldwork production written by Miranda Hinckley with research and additional writing by Curtis James and Simon James. Music by Neil Hale and post-production by Simon James. We're aware that this is a lot to take in. And for those who are completely new to this, it may sound complicated. But remember when Tom told us that Tiltify was just the digital version of the fundraising thermometer painted on a church door? Well, I want you to picture that simple image while you listen to these last words from Mike at the Humane Society. It's a very exciting time to be alive, really. We're really spreading our footprint 
And we're touching people who we would never be able to reach in a million years. Like I said, they're not email responsive. You can't call them on the phone. You can't send them a letter. You can't find them anywhere out in the real world except through streaming. This is that next generation of advocate. This is the next generation of donor. These are people who are going to hear about us, think about us going forward. And the investment we're making now is real, it's special, and we're glad to be a part of it.